Book One, Part Two of On the Nature of Things by Titus Lucretius Carus. Translated by William Ellery Leonard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Daniel Bemont. Book One, Part Two Substance is Eternal. This terror, then this darkness of the mind not sunrise with its flaring spokes of light nor glittering arrows of morning can disperse but only nature's aspect and her law which teaching us hath this exordium nothing from nothing ever yet was born fear holds dominion over mortality only because seeing in land and sky so much the cause whereof no wise they know men think divinities are working there meantime when once we know from nothing still nothing can be create we shall divine more clearly what we seek those elements from which alone all things created are and how accomplished by no tool of gods suppose all sprang from all things any kind might take its origin from any thing no fixed seed required men from the sea might rise and from the land the scaly breed and fowl full-fledged come bursting from the sky the horned cattle the herds and all the wild would haunt with varying offspring tilth and waste nor would the same fruits keep their olden trees but each might grow from any stock or limb by chance and change indeed and were there not for each its procreant atoms could things have each its unalterable mother old but since produced from fixed seeds are all each birth goes forth upon the shores of light from its own stuff from its own primal bodies and all from all cannot become because in each resides a secret power its own again why see we lavished o'er the lands at spring the rose at summer heat the corn the vines that mellow when the autumn lures if not because the fixed seeds of things at their own season must together stream and new creations only be revealed when the due times arrive and pregnant earth safely may give unto the shores of light her tender progenies but if from naught were their becoming they would spring abroad suddenly unforeseen in alien months with no primordial germs to be preserved from procreant unions at an adverse hour nor on the mingling of the living seeds would space be needed for the growth of things were life an increment of nothing then the tiny babe forthwith would walk a man and from the turf would leap a branching tree wonders unheard of for by nature each slowly increases from its lawful seed and through that increase shall conserve its kind whence take the proof that things enlarge and feed from out their proper matter thus it comes that earth 
without her seasons of fixed rains, could bear no produce such as makes us glad, and whatsoever lives, if shut from food, prolongs its kind and guards its life no more. Thus easier tis to hold that many things have primal bodies in common, as we see the single letters common to many words, than aught exists without its origins. Moreover, why should nature not prepare men of a bulk to ford the seas afoot, or rend the mighty mountains with their hands, or conquer time with length of days, if not because for all begotten things abides the changeless stuff, and what from that may spring is fixed for evermore? Lastly, we see how far the tilled surpass the fields untilled, and to the labor of our hands return their more abounding crops. There are indeed within the earth primordial germs of things, which, as the plowshare turns the fruitful clods and kneads the mold, we quicken into birth. Else would ye mark, without all toil of ours, spontaneous generations, fairer forms. Confess, then, not from nothing can become, since all must have their seeds, wherefrom to grow, wherefrom to reach the gentle fields of air. Hence too it comes that nature all dissolves into their primal bodies again, and naught perishes ever to annihilation. For were aught mortal in its every part, before our eyes it might be snatched away unto destruction, since no force were needed to sunder its members and undo its bands. Whereas of truth, because all things exist with seed imperishable, nature allows destruction nor collapse of aught, until some outward force may shatter by a blow, or inward craft entering its hollow cells dissolve it down. And more than this, if time, that wastes with eld the works along the world, destroy entire, consuming matter all, whence then may Venus, back to light of life, restore the generations, kind by kind? Or how, when thus restored, may Deedle Earth foster and plenish with her ancient food, which, kind by kind, she offers unto each? Whence may the water springs beneath the sea, or inland rivers far and wide away, keep the unfathomable ocean full? And out of what does ether feed the stars? For lapsed years and infinite age must else have eat all shapes of mortal stock away. But be it, the long ago contained those germs, by which this sum of things recruited lives, those same infallibly can never die, nor nothing to nothing evermore return. And, too, the selfsame power might end alike all things, were they not still together held by matter eternal, shackled through its parts, now more, now less. A touch might be enough to cause destruction, for the slightest force would loose the weft of things wherein no part were of imperishable stock. But now, because the fastenings of primordial parts are put together diversely, and stuff is everlasting, things abide the same, unhurt and sure, until some power comes on strong to destroy the warp and woof of each. Nothing returns to naught. 
but all return at their collapse to primal forms of stuff lo the rains perish which ether father throws down to the bosom of earth mother but then up springs the shining grain and boughs are green amid the trees and trees themselves wax big and laid themselves with fruits and hence in turn the race of man and all the wild are fed hence joyful cities thrive with boys and girls and leafy woodlands echo with new birds hence cattle fat and drowsy lay their bulk along the joyous pastures whilst the drops of white ooze trickle from distended bags hence the young scamper on their weakling joints along the tender herbs fresh hearts afrisk with warm new milk thus naught of what so seems perishes utterly since nature ever upbuilds one thing from other suffering not to come to birth but through some others death and now since i have taught that things cannot be born from nothing nor the same when born to nothing be recalled doubt not my words because our eyes no primal germs perceive for mark those bodies which though known to be in this our world are yet invisible the winds infuriate lash our face and frame unseen and swamp huge ships and rend the clouds or eddying wildly down bestrew the plains with mighty trees or scour the mountain tops with forest crackling blasts thus on they rave with uproar shrill and ominous moan the winds tis clear are sightless bodies sweeping through the sea the lands the clouds along the sky vexing and whirling and seizing all amain and forth they flow and pile destruction round even as the water's soft and supple bulk becoming a river of abounding floods which a wide downpour from the lofty hills swells with big showers dashes headlong down fragments of woodland and whole branching trees nor can the solid bridges bide the shock as on the water's whelm the turbulent stream strong with a hundred rains beats round the piers crashes with havoc and rolls beneath its waves down toppled masonry and ponderous stone hurling away whatever would oppose even so must move the blasts of all the winds which when they spread like to a mighty flood hither or thither drive things on before and hurl to ground with still renewed assault or sometimes in their circling vortex seize and bear in cones of whirlwind down the world the winds are sightless bodies and naught else since both in works and ways they rival well the mighty rivers the visible in form then too we know the varied smells of things yet never to our nostrils see them come with eyes we view not burning heats nor cold nor are we wont men's voices to behold yet these must be corporeal at the base since thus they smite the senses naught there is save body having property of touch and raiment hung by surf beach shore grows moist the same 
spread out before the sun, will dry. Yet no one saw how sank the moisture in, nor how by heat off-driven. Thus we know that moisture is dispersed about in bits too small for eyes to see. Another case, a ring upon the finger thins away along the underside with years and suns. The drippings from the eaves will scoop the stone. The hooked plowshare, though of iron, wastes amid the fields insidiously. We view the rock-paved highways worn by many feet, and at the gates the brazen statues show their right hands leaner from the frequent touch of wayfarers innumerable who greet. We see how wearing down hath minished these, but just what motes depart at any time, the envious nature of vision bars our sight. Lastly, whatever days and nature add, little by little, constraining things to grow in due proportion, no gaze, however keen, of these our eyes hath watched and known. No more can we observe what's lost at any time when things wax old with eld and foul decay, or when salt seas eat under beetling crags. Thus nature ever by unseen bodies works. End of Book One, Part Two Recording by Daniel Vermont, Osaka, Japan